Hello, friends, and thank you once again for being with us as we look into Paul's letter to the Romans. This is our last time together, and today we're looking at Romans 13. Now, remember, we were in this particular part of the letter where Paul has already made all of his arguments for how we need to think, that we need to believe that sin, and by that same token, redemption, are universal, that God has extended uh, love and redemption to all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. And now that he's finished with that, after he concludes his chapter 11, the rest of the chapters where we are today are Paul's demonstrating how we put it into actual practice. So if that's how we think about one another in terms of being diverse members of the body of Christ, how do we actually do that? How do we put it into perspective and into practice? And so today we're looking at Romans 13, where Paul visits a topic that he is well known for, not just in Romans 13, but also in 1 Corinthians 13, of love and how do we demonstrate love to one another. When we look at uh, verses 8 through 10, Paul takes a little tour of the Ten Commandments. He says, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are all summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, and therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. It seems here like Paul might be making a, a little bit of an argument or an appeal to his Jewish Christians and not necessarily the Gentile Christians so much in this particular way. He's trying to state that by accepting others and demonstrating love for others, even those who are different from us or maybe Gentiles and we're Jews, that is actually holding to the law, the Jewish law, very closely. Because he says, really, all of the law, if we look at all the diverse commandments, it's summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. And that if you do that one thing, and if you elevate loving your neighbor to being the thing that you, are, you concern yourself most in your behavior, you won't transgress any of the commandments. I love that. <laughs> but there's something very interesting about this when we go back and we actually look at Torah. When we look at those first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those are all the instruction that's given to Israel. And yes, Genesis is instruction, even though it's mostly stories about lots of family dysfunction. <laughs> that's nonetheless instructive. And so what's interesting is that the commandments, these, especially the Ten Commandments, this Decalogue that are, were given, it actually shows up two places in uh, the Pentateuch, in those first five books. It shows up first in Exodus 20, and that's in the part of the story where the, the Hebrew children have just been rescued from Egypt by God and Moses and Aaron and Miriam, and now they're, um, they're coming into the wilderness to receive God's law. And this is the first thing that they're given, these Ten Commandments. The next time that these will be repeated, they'll actually show up at the end of the Pentateuch in the book of Deuteronomy, the last of those five books. In Deuteronomy 5, they get reiterated. They get a little, uh, a, a little bit more tweaked and some other interpretations, but they're basically the same set as what we find in Exodus 20. And so what's interesting is 
the first part of Israel's story in the Pentateuch and the very end part when they're about ready to enter the promised land, these commandments are iterated. Now, here's what I find very interesting. The commandment to love your neighbor as yourself comes right in the middle. In fact, love your neighbor comes from Leviticus 19.17. Now, so many of us skip over Leviticus when we're reading the Old Testament or when we're reading the Pentateuch more narrowly. We think, oh, it's just a list of things for the priests to do. It's just a list of all of these laws and observances and things people should and shouldn't do. And yet what's interesting is in the middle of what can be considered very granular type laws, very specific, we get this one amazingly broad brushstroke, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think it's interesting that we have the Ten Commandments here in Exodus, and we have the Ten Commandments here in Deuteronomy, and right between them, not only in between them, but in the middle of Leviticus, the middle of the middle of the law, the very center is love your neighbor. And I think that we would not be wrong to consider this verse as the interpretive key to all the commandments that come before and after it, to the decalogues that we get on either side, and all of the other smaller, uh, more fine commandments about very specific things. They all find their grounding in this one thing of looking out for your neighbor, loving them, caring for them, that that's the kind of behavior that when it's practiced altogether will create the kind of community where God lives and dwells. I'm so encouraged by that. One thing we have to remember is no part of the Bible is insignificant or inconsequential, even things that come in Leviticus. Um, and that's the, actually the whole point of Leviticus is how do you align your behavior in such a way that you make a life-giving community for others, and you also make a pure space for God to dwell. I don't think that it would be a terrible thing if we as the church paid more attention to things like that than we do. I know we love the generalization, but I think that Leviticus does offer us something as far as how it carries this out, how it sees living our life as this full comprehensive thing in how we love our neighbors and how we love God. Then Paul takes a little turn after he's addressed this by loving each other, by accepting each other into the family of God. We are actually not only not throwing out the law, but we're actually keeping it and keeping it very well. Paul then says, besides this, okay, in addition to all that, you know what time it is how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. Now, what does that mean? Is Paul calling us to be woke? <laughs> in some sense, yes. There is something in keeping with that particular metaphor that is in play here. Paul has just told us that keeping the law is about looking around and loving your neighbors and making sure that they're okay and that they're provided for, making sure that they're cared for, making sure they're protected, particularly your, your neighbors that are weak or vulnerable. And this is also very much in keeping with the whole 
uh, law as we see it in the Hebrew Bible. And he says, you know what time it is. So keep in mind, he's saying that right after, you've got to love your neighbor. And now is the moment you need to wake up. Um, we talked about this in our introduction to Romans about what time it was. What was happening in Rome? Well, it was about that time, maybe a little bit before then, when Claudius expelled all the Jews from Rome. And there were all of these letters being written about how the Jews are making all of this ruckus. And we talked about how it might be that what they were really talking about was Christian Jews. They were talking about someone named Crestus, which might be Christus, Christ. And so Paul is saying, I think now more to the Gentile believers in his community. You know what time it is. You know how hard it is for the others in your community that are Jewish. You know how people are watching them and blaming them for what's going on or blaming them for anything that they see in society that they don't like and that they're throwing them out of the country or they're pushing them out of their local associations or times are getting hard for them. In fact, one of the controversial parts of Romans is how Paul emphasizes that you need to do what the authorities say. And a lot of New Testament scholars think that what he's really talking about is he's talking to the Gentile Christians that it could be much more dangerous if they caused a ruckus together. It could be much more dangerous for the Jewish members of their congregation. So be circumspect. Look around and reflect on how what you say and what you do how will this affect your more vulnerable neighbors? How will this either honor them and protect them or offer them your um, uh, fellowship? Or how could it put someone else in jeopardy? How might it hurt one of the others that you claim to be in fellowship with? And so that's why Paul goes on to say, um, let us lay aside the works of darkness. Let us live honorably. Let's make sure that we're providing for our roles as Christians and not providing for our fleshly nature that just desires to do what I want to do. Because it's interesting, what I think is happening is Paul is saying that by honoring the Lord Jesus Christ, we are also honoring our brothers and sisters. And by honoring them and protecting them and doing what is best for them, we will, just the same way that the law in the Old Testament is kept, by loving them, we demonstrate our love for God and we make a community where God can dwell. I think that um, of all the things Paul writes, this is just as timely now. There are still people in our churches, in our communities that still feel very vulnerable, that still are afraid. And I think that for those of us that may not particularly have that as an issue, we definitely need to wake up from sleep. Look around and see what time it is. And let us trust that as we are working to love and demonstrate that love in very visible ways for those that God has called to also be in his own family, uh, that we, by doing so, will be demonstrating our love for God 
will be making a community where God will be pleased to dwell. Thank you so much for being with me while we've looked into this just incredible letter written thousands of years ago that is yet speaking to us across time, across space. Um, and for all of this, we give thanks to God.